RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Episode 13, Letter to Star Trek Fans from D.C. Fontana, August 22, 1972. This episode of The Trek Files is brought to you by Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions, a special series of large-format ships officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and receive the USS Enterprise D for 20% off the regular price and with free shipping. For details and to order, visit ststarshipsxl.com. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome, welcome once again, Trek fans and Trekophiles, spelled with an F. <laughs> We've got another in a series of uh, exploring that terrain in Star Trek history, kind of the no man's land between... 1969 and 1972. Those of you who are with us for episode 12, we kind of had the first installment of the modern era of Star Trek's return to existence with a with a letter from Gene Roddenberry about the potential, the first time he felt publicly comfortable saying that there might be a future in Star Trek after all. And today we're going to bring you maybe the next chapter in that saga, not from Gene, but from his uh, Gal Friday his right-hand woman, Dorothy Fontana, uh, just a few weeks later with some new news. On the network front, NBC still expresses great interest in doing Star Trek in some form. Both NBC and Paramount continue to receive a great deal of mail and have had to assign secretaries to the sole job of answering it. Nor has the amount of Star Trek mail gone unnoticed by the network and studio executives, and it is bound to have an effect on future decisions. While Gene is as deeply concerned about Star Trek and its future as any fan, he also has had to be practical and move ahead to some new projects. And I'll be back with my guest for that update after this. Star Trek fans, you asked for bigger ships, and now you've got bigger ships. The official Star Trek Starships XL editions from Eagle Moss are twice as large as the standard models. Officially authorized by CBS Studios, each iconic ship is die-cast and hand-painted, and each comes with an in-depth magazine featuring production artwork, highlights of the ship's history, design, and a breakdown of the technology on board, along with crew and weapons. Start your collection today with the 10-inch XL Edition USS Voyager for only $59.95 with free shipping. New models ship every other month for the same low price with free shipping, and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details and to order, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Go big with the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions, at st-starshipsxl.com slash the track files. All right. August 1972. And Dorothy Fontana, DC Fontana to Star Trek fans, 
uh, is writing to the fan base about what is going on with Star Trek, which is suddenly a hot topic. And here to talk to me about updating <laughs> our chronology here of uh, Trek's time in the wilderness is my good friend and the co-host of Mission Log Podcast, you all know, John Champion, back with me again. John, um, it's interesting to, to lay this out now in hindsight and see the progression of events. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I keep trying to sort of place myself back in that time where Star Trek being on air as a first-run TV show is still a pretty recent memory. You know, 1969, it ends in first run, but the reruns are picking up all over the country. So 1972, if you're a Star Trek fan, you're thinking, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago, and we saved the show once <laughs> with a letter-writing campaign. Can we do it again? Can we bring it back? And letter-writing is the currency of the time. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're way before email and the internet and social media. So we've already had one letter from Gene himself to fans. Uh, you know, and you've got to think, it's just, as, it's just as when the show itself was on the air, the fan mail has not dropped off. Right. Well, um, not only has the fan mail not dropped off, but you had that big convention in New York, like we mentioned last time, right. January 1972. They said that they expected 603,000 showed up. Um, and who knows what the actual count was, but, but that, that's sort of what has gone down in history, the legend of that convention. So, of course, there's momentum, and TV Guide picked up the story. Right. So, of right. course, if you're a Star Trek fan, you want to know, you want to get the direct scoop, because surely, surely this means there's enough interest to bring it back. Well, and again, there's no, there's no template for this, right? There's mm-hmm. no paradigm for this. No show, no dead show ever generated more interest after it was gone Mm -hmm. than when it was on the air. So all these little stepping stones, it wasn't just that these events were happening. It was not just that syndicated local station ratings were going through the roof and, you know, climbing 100, you know, 100%, 200% every year and more and more stations are climbing aboard. It's not just that that little library convention within a year led to that first New York convention. And not just that, that article in TV Guide, that was March, after mm-hmm. the January convention. Mm-hmm. And, and our document this week uh, is actually a twofer. Yeah, right. It's actually, Dorothy, we should say, is on August 22nd, repeating and updating her June 22nd memo. So this June 22nd letter update to fans itself was just a couple of months, two or three months after that March TV guide right. article, well, rocking well, Spock. Well, that's what I really love is that – yeah, you had to have one letter. You had the convention. You had the TV Guard article. You had the first letter that was Gene writing back to fans. Then you've got Dorothy writing back in June. Then you've got her sending out the same letter as a progress report in <laughs> August. So I, I can just picture it right now. Fans throughout the year of 1972 are thinking, well, I heard from you back in June. Has anything changed? Has anything changed oh, now? Right. Has anything changed now? Please, you know, please, please give us a, a week-by-week, day-by-day update. Let us know if anything has changed. Well, again, we, we're, we're here in our 24-7, you know, Twitter feed, Facebook, Snapchatty, you know, our world today. That's why Star Trek was such a shocking phenomenon because nothing drove – I mean, sports teams and rock bands and movie mm-hmm. stars didn't get mm-hmm. this kind of relentless – broad 
you know, this is not focused on one person or even four bandmates or, or mm-hmm. whatever. This is a show. It's stars, obviously, but a show, a phenomenon. People are talking about the prop guy and the makeup guy. <laughs> you know, they're on a first name basis with Bob Jesman of all people. So it's 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 the 1972 equivalent of going viral. Right. Two, three months at a time. And just as a stat at this time already, we're and we're a year before the animated series, which is one of the first outgrowths to – to, to, as a reward and also right. a measurement to kind of gauge where the, where the uh, return of Star Trek uh, metric is. But already at this time, the zine count by one tally is up to 100 Star Trek-only zines wow. Wow. in the country, showing on 125 U.S. local stations and in 60 countries. Wow. So that's where we are in 72 before anything yeah. formal really catches on. Well, so let's talk about the specifics here that she references in this progress report. She talks about how Gene is uh, – he, he's working at Warner's, but he has a non-exclusive agreement. So he could be freed up to do something with Star Trek if mm-hmm. the opportunity presented itself. Back at I, and I wonder how close they were playing this to the chest about the animated series because – you said it's a year away, but also it's only a year away. Right. August so, is very close to uh, – that's a year. So. Yeah, yeah. They were a year away from the animated series. And and you and I both know that there is at least an animated script floating around since 1970. We're going to get that script out and talk about we it. We will. Yes, there we was will. a pitch to yeah. Gene for an animated series yeah. in 1970. So it was still a gleam in somebody's eye, but you can't really talk about it here. So what she does talk about, uh, she says that there are a handful of projects. Projects, uh, probably some made-for-TV movies, and that Gene is teaming up with Sam Peebles, who he worked with on Star Trek. Uh, so, right. so that must have been intriguing to Star Trek fans at the time. And that series, she says, it's a series aiming to show how police work should and can be done 10 years from now in the, the uh, far-off future of 1982. <laughs> and uh, for one thing, she says, eliminating guns, clubs, and military-type uniforms in favor of using science, advanced technology, psychology, and a whole new concept of serving and protecting society – with high professional and ethical standards. And those are some documents that we've we've kind of bumped into as well. Right. The, this this unnamed sort of futuristic police show. I just realized 10 years from then, uh, th- she's describing T.J. Hooker. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Right, <laughs> no, right. I'm being facetious. Yeah. But no, Sam Peoples famously was an old friend of Gene's, had written together, wrote to the second pilot. Mm-hmm. Where No Man's Gone mm-hmm. Before also wrote the pilot Beyond the Fire of the Star on, on the animated. The animated, yeah. But, uh, yeah, she ticks off three projects he's working on now, which we would eventually know to be Genesis 2, which mm-hmm. was a post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. uh, series set, Marriott Hartley. Um, and also the Quester tapes getting its first look. Yeah, this is about a year before that. So right, by right. we know that by September of 73, he was sort of in that – process with the network to say, okay, here's what we're working on with Quester. So it, it had to have been in development at this time. Right. Well, yeah. the deal's done and then doing the one, you know, focusing yeah. on Genesis 2 first and then Quester. Yeah. And then, um, and then his show, we don't, I can't find any trail of thought with, with his show with people's the future cop show right right we can't find a threat let's just call it future cop it's fun right (laughs) (laughs) Right. future stun cop Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we do know that eventually and i I don't think it was referring to this uh eventually gene and sam peoples worked together on what became specter right 
Right, which didn't show up until about 76. 76, 77, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, just... Now, just my personal. This is this is seventy two. This is before I had any mm-hmm. clue about Star Trek. I got into it about uh, a couple years later. Mm-hmm. I do. The seventies to me were all about the drip, drip, drip of news and rumor and and clutching to hope and faith and every new <laughs> right. little bit of news you could get in a pre <laughs> internet twenty four seven world where you had little bits and pieces in TV Guide or. You know, there wasn't even an Entertainment Weekly. I mean, yeah. TV Guide was the closest thing you had to a TV media Bible. And when you got little blips and blurbs in TV Guide, that's people hung on those. It, even if it wasn't a full-blown article like Grocking Spock had been in March. Mm-hmm. But just this format of what Dorothy's doing here, I get the feeling that Gene's uh, a letter that mm-hmm. we talked about last episode – that's Gene. He doesn't have the, – the mail is going up. The sacks of mail are coming <laughs> right, in. More right. and more of the world is – we just had that effect, and it, it literally is the 1972 version of going viral. Yeah. You and your buddy talked. You went to a con. Somebody spread a rumor. You went to your new club. You found a new newsletter. You found a new fanzine. And bit by bit, that news would get out, and, and it, a lot of it would be turned into rumor. Things had to be clarified. And so maybe every two or three months, there was a need. Right. <laughs> the mailbags got too full. It was too, it was too ridiculous. New things had come down. The, new events had come, transpired. But most of all, I think Gene realizes after he wrote his um, February letter that he couldn't keep up. The, he wasn't going to get anything done if he himself yeah. was writing, answering all his mail. So he's got Dorothy, obviously, now yeah. handling the fan mail. And then she sees fit to not only update her June letter with a lot of detail, hmm. but repeat it for everybody. <laughs> with her August update that we've got on the cover. But in today's in today's viewpoint, what's going on here is every local newsletter, every local club newsletter, yeah. every convention program book, you know, would take Dorothy's uh type letters here and just retype them verbatim. Yeah. Here's the latest from Dorothy Fontana. And if you had a monthly or a bi monthly club newsletter or your fanzine came out every year or six months, this would there would be a letters column, you know. Or a news column, and people would pick up verbatim from what Dorothy's doing here. So in the in the era of typed, yeah. <laughs> a Pika and elite IBM Selectric balls, that's what that's what that was really the target of Dorothy's these letters from Dorothy. And and let's be real here, this and the previous document. This is three pages. Uh, the, this particular set is three pages of a lot of words without really saying anything of substance Mm -hmm. because there's nothing of substance to say. And you know and I know that in Hollywood, the worst thing you can do about a project is announce it before it's time. Exactly. Until the the lines are signed and the ink has dried. And even then, that doesn't mean that the project actually gets off the ground. So this is a lot of way of saying, yeah, uh, thanks for being a fan of Star Trek. Star Trek's really popular. Wouldn't it be great if it came back? We've got nothing of substance to report. <laughs> We're still talking about this. We're but, still talking about it. Yeah. And, and again, we've said before, Gene is walking that line between moving ahead with his future projects because he's got a mortgage to pay <laughs> and also paying attention to could it be could it be that Star Trek really is where no TV show has gone before? <laughs> could they be rewriting a paradigm here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of talking without to, and a little blurb here at the end. Dorothy talking about her own projects. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yep, very good. At the end very of good. June. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's uh, in, they're they're maybe they're getting close to the edge of the wilderness, right? Getting themselves out 
And uh, again, a three a three month cycle here apparently so far appears to be what's needed for uh, keeping the natives, the restless natives, informed. Oh, but but will they make it? That's the question we all want answered. Will they make? Will this little show that could actually make it? Well, follow along with that and with the other documents that we've posted at Facebook.com/slash The Trek Files. Yes, whether your metaphor is lost in the jungle or lost in the wilderness, Star Trek is on some kind of a journey to be sure. And we will see you. I don't know. I'm on the edge of my seat, John, <laughs> wondering what happens to this little show. We'll see you next time. Can't wait. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynimacek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.